Hello and welcome back to the Stacks Office Hours. We took a brief break for a few months while life things happened, but we're so back. This is Office Hours, our roundup of everything we've been watching, reading, playing, listening to, and generally doing with our time on Earth. Stephen, we're back. How are you doing today? I am very, very good. Very pleased to be talking into a microphone. It's been a while, well, apart from conference calls for work, but I feel it's very, very different. Mm So excited to be more productively speaking into a microphone for the purposes of art and culture. Exactly. The enrichment of us all. Um, Office Hours. It's a a Japanery special. Yeah, absolutely. It's a Japanery special. We're recording this in the first week of Feb. This will go out in the first week of Feb, which means we are closing the door on Japanuary 2024. If you don't know Japanuary, where have you been? I'm kidding. It's fine. You can join any year. But Japanuary is our friend Ben's annual letterbox challenge, celebrating all of Japanese cinema. I do what I do most years, which is make a base watch list based on uh, Ben's master list and the general watch list for the the challenge. Continue to add things to it, never really finish it, but I find some fun movies along the way and I come out feeling reinvigorated and falling in love with Japanese cinema all over again. Stephen, how was your Japanuary this year? really really great so i i posted what i was going to do at the beginning on the stacks.co.uk and it was 20 films and i added to that when i found things i ended up with 32 oh, wow. um was was the thing i mean they're not all films one of them is a pokemon series of which you watched <laughs> and wrote about yes so i also tagged that, that in my japanuary yeah. list but that's yeah. fine but that's the length of a film anyway so i feel like i wasn't even cheating exactly um, but everything else is it's fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you have any lows of Japan? Did you, did you see anything you actually disliked and really, really so, sort of didn't come? Cause, not um, really. I didn't watch anything terrible. It mm-hmm. was. I think it was my, my, my best film watching month in, in a long time because yeah. I was just... Because it was curated and I really picked out what I wanted to watch. It was mm-hmm. not just me falling back to filling gaps and just watching mainstream trash for the sake of it because i haven't seen this yeah um, and then just being caught in middle of the road nonsense and i'm already if you check my letterbox moment i'm already straight back into middle of the road nonsense <laughs> most of the time um and it reminded me that i should actually watch aspirationally a bit more and actually enjoy yeah really it's, it's nice to watch movies <laughs> that you it, end up enjoying it's enriching and it, it gives things back and it reminds you you don't do it as a compulsion you do it because it's great sometimes yeah yeah um, absolutely so it was really wonderful to watch some hand-picked and so what I did for Japanuri is I, I put all of my recommendations from friends that were Japanese films in there. And mm-hmm. I think that's why it was so good. They yep. picked absolutely brilliant stuff um, that I watched and loved and enjoyed. I did this as well. I had a couple uh, Japanese picks from friends for my New Year's resolution list. So I slotted them in to my Japanuary list. And yeah, those were some of the some of the best of the bunch, I would say. Should we go through an, an overview of what kind of stuff we watched then? Do you want to start off give me a lowdown i had a wild new year's eve and severely hungover on january 1st i was like nope 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 i need to start japanuary off right i need to start the movie watching year off right and i picked a recommendation from our close friend beb toshio matsumoto's film funeral parade of roses i believe you've seen one of my favorite films of all time absolutely absolutely adore that film spellbinding movie i had no real sort of preconceived notions of what this movie was going to be and just found it incredibly sort of like almost hauntingly um scarily transgressive and its ideas 
on portraying queer culture in such a, a shocking and fascinating manner. Um, really sort of boundless energy and doesn't really commit to a certain formal structure that I'm used to in certain areas of Japanese cinema. And it's felt very sort of um, boundary pushing in, in the sort of new wave settings that it is. And it's absolutely an incredible use of of silence to portray these 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 tales within Japanese queer culture in the 60s, which is obviously an area that I'm not overly familiar with but i watched on the criterion channel and subsequently watched um toshio matsumoto's short film atman afterwards which was another oh yeah yeah completely cool. sort of experimental avant-garde sort of, yeah real me- meld of sound and vision but yes i had a lot of fun on new year's day with both of those movies the the best things that i saw were things that i, I wrote about on the website which i was very very happy to mm-hmm. um, actually one of them isn't um so I, I finally got around to watching a page of madness which yes. is a 20s movie that was lost for a long time um and it's notable it's lost for a long time because it's so tempting to say that this is a clear influence on Mayad Aaron and david lynch but, mm. it, but it couldn't have been and i find that more enriching because it shows that it's joint inspiration mm-hmm. like people are just making these cool things in cool ways and that having similar ideas in different parts of the world and it's just awesome it's just such a stylish fascinating brilliant use of of filmmaking Mm -hmm. and the ingenuity of silent film at at one of its best in terms of you can only speak of the camera and the ways they speak of the camera is fabulous i watched a few silent movies actually um Mm -hmm. because because they're because they're interesting so i watched um souls on the road which i wrote a piece um, about for the website because it's seen by mark cousins Oh. It's the first landmark film of Japanese cinema. And I deconstruct <laughs> very that good, statement very good impression. A, a little bit. Thank you. Um, <laughs> deconstruct what that, what that means. Hmm. And I also watched Orochi, or Serpent, as it is called, which I'm going to pitch at some point that you should watch for um, Throwdown. I definitely, um, um, I read your review and was like, yeah, I definitely, this is just something I need to see as as me. It just sounds something like I would definitely appreciate. It's fine, and then it has an astonishing action climax of just like, wow, you do... And having watched um, (laughs) Silent Night recently, I get thinking about it. Mm. I've been like, you don't need voice you don't need noise for action and and the great silent comedians can convey this so well because so much of it is is action work and it's just like wow when you let actually speak and it's really good and it's really creative it's it's wonderful so yeah that's some great japanese silent film also if you watch serpent it's there's an available online version that has the benshi narration but it has the benshi narration in japanese Mm -hmm. with someone speaking over it in translated English at the same time. Oh, Actually, wow. no, it's even worse than that. It's in Japanese being spoken over in Russian with English subtitles. Oh, it's... great. Yes. So I muted it and <laughs> read the subtitles. Yeah, because, that sounds like... Oh my God, it was unlistenable. It sounds like a headache, a real a real yeah. time code oh, experience. Dreadful. Mm. <laughs> but really cool film. 
Um, I dipped into some pulpy space opera stuff. I went through like a, a real space opera binge is going to be a, a, a re- recurring theme through this office hours in terms of the, the media I ingested, and that fell into Japanery as well. So I went back to one of our close friends, Jun Fukuda, from the director of uh. such classics as Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, Godzilla vs. Megalon, <laughs> Son of Godzilla, yes. Godzilla vs. Gigan, yes. and I watched The War in Space from 1976 and it's easy cool. to quickly disregard it as a, a quick cash-in on a certain movie called Star Wars um, which also released in Never 1977 um, ushering in the sort of big space opera boom of the late 70s but I definitely think Fukuda's The War in Space stands on its own feet I think it works in its own merits it takes full advantages of the, the Toho sound stages and the practical effects departments that you know uh, Fukuda would work with on those Godzilla movies, but this is nowhere near as goofy or as sort of jovial as those movies. This is sort of a hard-hitting, engaging tale of alien warships and um, Earth in interstellar warfare. It's like a, a cool 90 minutes, and it's just um, really, really nice to look at and really sort of scratch that itch of Japanese space opera that I was really looking for. Awesome. I'm going to shout out just a, a few things in succession that mm. I found to be to be some hidden gems. So obviously there's Ongakura Sound and um, My God, My God, Why Has Thou Forsaken Me that, that I wrote about and, and Koteko. So you, you can read my thoughts on those. So here's some things that are not up on the website that you may want to seek out because they're just really, really cool. Um, first of all, this was a, a Zebra recommendation. This is Roundabout Midnight, um, Makoto Wada. I'm, I'm not as big an action head as, as you and Vaughn, mm-hmm. to be honest, um, but I do like a, a, a good action movie. Um, Roundabout Midnight is a Hitchcock film okay. directed by someone with a completely different sensibility. Mm. Um, but the the plot is, is pure Alfred Hitchcock. There is a, a person from a specific field, he's a jazz musician, that sees something that he shouldn't, gets caught up, ends up on the run, ends up in a vertiginous climax hanging off of a building, and <laughs> he meets up with a woman along the way, and they have their whole kind of like witty back and forth. It's legitimately beat by beat an Alfred Hitchcock movie. Um, but it is just presented in, in such a different, eclectic, jazz-infused way of it's such a testament to how solid that Hitchcockian structure is, mm. but then what you can do with it. And it's got a point where a guy blocks a knife with a trumpet mute, and that yes. is absolutely incredible. That's, so, all, that's all I want to see in movies. Than that. Um, Fish Story was a recommendation from Ben, mm-hmm. which is a really cool film that you think can't come together because it's so spread over the place, and then comes together ultimately really, really beautifully about the need to create and how the things we create will trickle down and find meaning. Um, someone, there's, there's a great Mountain Goats lyric, more on them later. Um, <laughs> of course. Um, the song of Transcendental Youth, um, oh, I think it's Harlem Roulette, and it's like four uh, miles north of somewhere, a radio switches on, and some no one from the future remembers you're gone. This idea that the, the music that we play creeps out. These things that, that you create reach out into the future will be found and will find meaning in ways that you can never um, predict, which is just really inspiring. That's a really, really cool film. Um, a recommendation from Samantha, mm. um, who you may know as the May Queen. This is on YouTube, and you should watch it. Um, the Great Happiness Space, Tale of an Osaka Love Thief, is a very candid documentary about... It's got specific terms, mm-hmm. Um but it's 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 about sex work in in um in Japan. It's about these these hosts and host these these hosts clubs in Osaka, and you follow this dude primarily and another host, and 
it's interesting because it's interesting, but then it just keeps going and it's really, really worth watching. It's not the most like creative and wonderful documentary, but it has amazing access and it's so candid and so upfront and it really asks all the questions you want. And I think it's really, really good. And it's on YouTube. Find it, watch it, enjoy it, love it. Samantha and I uh, have a bond over a shared interest in documentaries um, of um, sort of out there subcultures and how they are mm. presented on film. And this feels very much like something I, I also love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 This is one hundred percent in our in our joint wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Then, and the I'm gonna so three more things, and then I'll, I will pass back. Sure. Apologies. No, no, um, no. So, Blue Spring is oh, yes. a yeah, Toyota yeah. movie. Um, it's absolutely fabulous. I think it's just astonishing. Um, there is. I, I kind of want Emma to watch it because this, it does stuff with graffiti that I think is really fat. There's a bit towards the end where a person draws spray paint graffiti over their shadow Ooh. before they maybe, maybe, maybe die. Um, and there's just something so interesting about like that as a statement. And, and graffiti speaks so loudly through the film. It's such an, an urgent film about the disillusioned youth pushed down into um, violent outburst. And it's empathetic yet unchained mm-hmm. really really awesome um the eel won the palm door but is weirdly underseen um the second imamura film to win the palm door opens up with one of the most brutally depicted acts of violence i've ever seen in my life um it's in description it's not that bad but the way it's presented is just so shocking mm. and then it skips to the man having served his prison sentence and you know time served, sentence spent, etc. Mm-hmm. But you watching it, you don't have that 20-year cap or whatever no, you, between. You still, feel, so, <laughs> you still feel the anger of this this man who's committed this crime who, in this, this heinous way. Just kills it, and it's, it's kills his wife um, mm. very, very brutally. And then it's quite this tender film about him working as a barber in this like rural place. And it is, it is about the capacity... Human's capacity to be incredibly cruel, incredibly kind, and incredibly mm-hmm. open, incredibly nasty. And it it's very challenging and it's all overlit and it's all kind of like deep so almost every, it's 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 filmed like a television show, but nicely. So yeah. almost everything's in focus all the time. And it is this kind of like this metaphor of he cannot hide from his past. Like everything is in focus at all points. Spotlight. And you and it's just such an interesting film. And it does build to the, obviously his past catches up with him in a way. But it's mostly just you sitting as the viewer, knowing what you know, mm-hmm. and having to reconcile that part of a person. And it's such an interesting psychological exercise. So that's the it's the second to last film. And then the last film I'm going to mention is The Man Who Stole the Sun. Mm. I need to see this. Which I really want to see this one. was a Vaughan recommendation again. Um, now, this is a film by a certain written by a certain Schrader okay. about a war guilt reflection of an isolated man um, who is maybe the the butt from jokes and gets an object that means he has power and exerts that over people. At one point he wears a holster and turns to a mirror um, and shoots his gun at the mirror a few times. <laughs> okay. It's written by Leonard Schrader. Oh, wow. Rug, consider rug pulled. Comes, mm, it comes a few years, like five, six years after Taxi Driver. And it's just really interesting of... it. It's the same thesis explored in a different way. Mm. This is quirky and eccentric as opposed to the almost like neorealist miserabilism mm-hmm. of, of Taxi Driver. It's just, it's fun to see clearly the same ideas about masculinity, disillusionment, post-war, but a different war um, 
and it's it's a a strange movie about a science teacher that builds a nuclear bomb um and then uses it for petty extortion i mean kind okay. of it's it's cool it's really worth watching so that's my my japanery weird highlights i like that um, I like and that far much. more stuff you can see on, on my list of really cool stuff that i watch big thank you to ben for putting it together. absolutely thank you ben always um i took japanery as an excuse to get more acquainted with a martial artist that i know of but have not seen a lot of and that is the great sonny chiba um, who oh. is a, a mainstay staple of sort of Japanese action cinema of the 70s and 80s and onwards, really. Um, so I, I tried to watch some of his heavy hitters, if you'll excuse the, the sort of term there. Um, the Executioner, Terio Ishii's The Executioner, kind of plays as most of the <laughs> Sony Chiba movies I've seen as sort of these hard-hitting action um, sequences involved in like this uh, drug detective and smuggling ring and criminal masterminds. I then went on to see uh, a couple Fukasaki movies, including um, one of his Battle for Honor and Humanity sequels. And then I watched a movie called Doberman Cop, because it's called Doberman Cop. And I, the thing about Sonny Chiba to me is, I it's, it's, it's wild to me that he is such a prolif- prolif- prolific star, because all of his characters are always just terrible human beings. It's quite interesting how sort of movie-going audiences always side with him as this sort of grizzled anti-hero vigilante character. So you have films like Doberman Cop and the, the third Chiba film I watched, Karate Bullfighter, where he is presented basically in the first half of the film as this sort of violent pest. He's really sort of this down-to getting up to sort of all sorts of no good and by the end of the film you're rooting for him just through the various means of the narrative and karate bullfighter does what it says on the tin he is this sort of post-world war soldier suffering the fallout of like ptsd returning to sort of his native country um and gets involved in the local sort of syndicate crime mobs and ends up just one day there is an escaped bull and he takes down this bull and is now sort of the the local hero but the way he takes down this bull and from all sort of accounts i read about this film this was a real bull and it is not the most sort of uh, easy to watch part of, a, of any movie i've ever seen this is sonny chiba the real action star basically sort of grappling with a real hefty tall muscular bull for a good tense five ten minutes in a very viscerally shot action sequence um very claustrophobic very shaky very frenzied and i I walked away from my my small sonny chiba binge a bit more confused than i was at the start basically being like i don't know why i and why movie going audiences seem to root for these characters and the way they are presented as really really sort of terrible anti-heroes and they're never sort of redeemed by the end of the movies either you know, you can sort of karate chop your way through any sort of narrative, but by the end of it, he doesn't even reflect on his own actions as this karate bullfighter and he gets into some accidental murder and he's grappling with his own struggles with all sorts of um, PTSD and um, using karate as a weapon. And there's there's musings on all sorts of these things. But by the end of it, I, I really enjoyed it as like one of those scuzzy sort of pieces of 70s grindhouse action where it, it's just one of those films that would not exist three or four years later or three or four years prior. It is the perfect encapsulation of a certain movement, a sort of sort of 
something in the air around that times in the the grindhouse scene and it's a, a toei movie so they're utilizing that beautiful sort of 70s wide scope and filling the frame with such beautiful images and always centering in on sonny chiba tackling and karate fighting a bull um so that's karate bullfighter from 75 one of my I think I wrote a bit about that on Letterboxd. That's probably one of my main picks from Japanuary. And then continuing the space opera theme that I'd previously mentioned with um, (laughs) Fukuda's uh, The War in Space. Stephen, are you familiar with the world of Gundam at all? The little models, you know, little robot models people build. Mm. Yeah, Gundam yeah. Wing, all that stuff. I've I've seen bits and pieces. It's a mammoth sort of franchise, basically. I've been there's, there's so to many the Gundam entries. Cafe. That counts. That's you're more you're more qualified to speak on this than I am now. In Tokyo, I had Gundam themed milkshake or something, and like a thing. Gundam that was cool. The Gundam Cafe milkshake. is cool. Okay, so yeah, um, so I watched some Gundam origin movies. Uh, which basically follow the antagonist of the original series and the original movies, and you get to see his sort of upbringing and rise to military power over the course of five or six hour-long movies. And I'm drawn to Gundam for one thing and one thing only, and that is the promise of large robots fighting in space with lasers and swords. And these movies don't really have a lot of that, if any, they are very sort of ground focused working in the societal and political landscapes of this created universe and you get to sort of understand the the methodology around the sort of tactical warfare and the reasons people are enlisted into this massive uh, gundam space battle um over the course of like five movies they, they sort of dip and and ascend in quality i'd say it's it's interesting that they were released as you know standalone movies in this franchise rather than like a a serialized television series or an anime series or something like that but um yeah the gundam origin movies have like quite d- very sort of a uh, what sort of decade were they like mid 2010s animation style so they're quite bombastic in their space opera battles and things like this um but the the sort of main crux of them being this origin of this this antagonist that if you have seen or are familiar with the gundam series at large it feels very interesting to see the flip side of the coin and, and watch the um watch the sort of the fallout of various um colonialist drops and things that happen to the federation and how this man rises to power definitely deep down the rabbit hole not entry level viewing for anyone apart from me so it's like that new hunger games movie though I've not seen the new Hunger Games movie, but I, I know of it being the origin of the, the, bad. the bad man it's a musical I hear or some sort it's of not, musical I don't, know, I don't know if people keep saying that it's, it, like, I don't know who keeps saying but I keep reading few- it has a few moments where a character likes it, but it's, it's not a musical. Okay, well, now I don't want to watch it, because I was looking forward yeah. to The Hunger Games you know, musical. Because you same. I was like, oh, this music's really interesting. I was like, oh, it's, it's not. Oh, it's not. oh, that's a shame. <laughs> um, so I, I was very gundam yeah, yeah. This oh, I haven't seen Wonka either, but we'll get to that at some point. Um, and then my last sort of highlight, I'd say, was a recommendation from list challenge owner extraordinaire Ben, and it is Ishii's 1986 documentary Half Man, 
um and the half biscuit half man half biscuit this is a documentary sort of musical concert via avant-garde theater production oh uh, I, yes you yeah, posted about, about, this, uh, about this. This a german awesome. band whose name i'm going to attempt to say but ultimately butcher einsturzend nebauten um and it is half sort of industrial experimental music concert half gakuri ishii's avant-garde nightmare dystopian future like dipping into diy experimental music and like weirdo kabuki theater and the meld between the two it is a an hour long and on youtube it is very much worthwhile watching for anyone interested in sort of outsider movements of the 80s and especially um, a fusing of two different worlds that on paper i didn't think were going to really bring anything that i would really sort of get behind but I, I was absolutely blown away by this it was definitely one of my favorite viewings of japanuri and that's half man from 86 and that was probably that one of my main really highlights cool. from this year's japanuary okay that is japanuary that is it thank you to ben as always i can't wait for next year and mm. i will as Thanks we all so as we do every year we'll just continue to watch various pockets of japanese cinema as we go through the year yeah so um to segue to another another form of media as as you know a, a very special thing um released on the 27th of october 2023 now i know what you're thinking Stephen, that's the day your child was born but i'm not talking about that um, i'm talking about the other thing that released on that day which was the new mountain goats album which was a wild coincidence i knew it was going to be that but yes go on speak um, on speak on your so goats it's it's good it's it's, it's a really good album um it, it took me a while to kind of get on board of it because I, I was a bit resistant to it so i'm gonna i'm not gonna talk as much as i as i could for the sake of the listener um but there is a i think 2003 Mm-hmm. album called all hell west texas which yes. is the yep. end of the lo-fi era of the mountain goats where mm-hmm. john o'neill belted out songs into a boombox yep. and you can hear the of the tape hum on the songs and it sounds cool as hell and then he started doing things with more instruments and actually recording things in how dare he beginning of the end i'm, I'm actually a, a more audible, of a hi-fi mountain Goats audible, person than audible clarity all hell west texas is maybe their best album mm-hmm my favorite maybe the best album um it's a really incredible record and it's it focuses around different people in west texas and it's got overlapping characters but it's not a story album it's it's an evocation of of some people and, and a place and there is one character on it called jenny um jenny has a motorbike and there was some, some debate of is jenny the motorbike jenny is not the motorbike jenny is the person riding the motorbike um and this album many years later 20 years later is called jenny from thebes um, and it is a concept album about that character and it has lots of lyrical references to things of all hail west texas um and it's got if you thought the matter already had big theater kids vibes <laughs> this is the big biggest theater kid vibe i i've grown to like the production okay and instrumentation i don't think it helps that the first track on the album is the worst track on the album right, which is okay. a shame um it's not terrible it's just not as good as the rest um, and then it's it's more musically interesting and it's got it's got some some really good tracks on it um i think i i listened to it and i was like i like this but i cannot pass the story at all and then i realized that if you buy a physical copy of it which i now have i have the record it comes with liner notes that give you some pointers there you like go. oh yeah albums used to to, to necessitate that contextualize and it's, it's, 
Yeah, and, and with that, you could pass the narrative. The narrative's actually really cool, and I, I, I like what happens in it. And it's it's this it plays with characters well, it plays with ideas well, um, and it 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 does that not to liken everything to Blade Runner twenty forty nine because I know we don't do that, but Blade Runner twenty forty nine did that really cool thing of it was about the thing from the sequel you didn't think should be addressed. But it also didn't fully address that at the same time. It managed to do both uh, somehow. So this manages to flesh out Jenny more as a character. But the whole point of Jenny as the character is that she's not that she is this ethereal kind of like unknown mystery figure, and it, it maintains that mystique at the same time. And that's a really clever balance, and I think it's really really good. Um, so it's 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 a cool album with some some damn good songs. It's musically very distinct from the album. It's a sister to. Um, has some musical low points, has some musical real high points, and after a lot of listens, I think it's it is a great record. Um, one of the weaker of the recent period, but I don't, they haven't done a truly great album since controversial statement. Goths, which I thought Goths was terrific. Um, they have but, such a, a prolific output, though, don't they? They seem to, or maybe to my untrained ear, they, they seem oh, to, they, yeah, they, they seem to put yes, out quite yeah. a lot of music at, at sort of quite a moderate pace. Mm. Yeah, loads. There was one year where there are three records. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the Matt so. Farley of the goats, I'd say. Mm, mm. Matt and goats. Um, so yeah, there's, <laughs> very there's, good. There's, there's that, and I've been really enjoying that new The Smile album. But I'll save that for my my diary entry where I write about why I like Ooh, that so much. Okay. I think it's that first album was really cool. Um, as a oh, this is kind of like Radiohead. <laughs> yeah, and sure. this new album is like a. Oh, you, this is this is a band now. Mm-hmm. You've you've mm-hmm. found a sound that it's it's confident and assured and a really coherent, cohesive, wonderful album. Very good. I look forward to checking out that article on the stacks.co.uk. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to talk about some games because Jack did it. Everybody, yeah. Jack finally did it. He bought a PC. He bought a Windows machine. He's been, Ooh. I say he, I mean I. I've been a Mac user for a decade, yes, a long, long time. For all the sort of nonsense creative things I do, the, the operating system OS X has always been supportive of all the programs and different software packages that I needed to yeah. do what I do. But the laptop I've been using since yeah. 2014 is very much running Jesus on its last legs for many, many moons. So it was time for a change. And as a result... So you were John Hodgman and now you're Justin Long. Yes, let's let's use that exact analogy. Um, or, that I, that for the I, British version, you were David. No, you were who was, Robert Webb. No yeah, and now, I'm, and and now I'm you're David Mitchell. David not Mitchell. Transfer. Yeah, so peep that. Seemingly show. not. Uh, seemingly not, but he does give off those vibes. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> As a result, I've been able to play games that I've looked at and fawned over for cool. many years without being able to actually play them on Does my. Does it run Crisis? Uh, I've not downloaded Crisis yet, but I will do <laughs> just it for the, the bit. 2007 video game Crisis. <laughs> I'm sure it does. So, uh, as a as a child on Christmas morning, I was very excited to try all sorts of things, and the first thing I downloaded was Minecraft, a game from a thousand years ago that I've been able yeah, to play. I'm... That's me. Every time I get like a new PC, the first thing I do, I was like, I'm just playing Civ Five again. Uh, yeah, um, I literally, Half-Life 2, literally so it's got, like... It's, I got like my mainstays. Really I got my mainstays of Minecraft Marvel Snap, which I can now play in desktop form, so I don't have to use my phone, because I'm back in, I'm back point, in baby. just play Hearthstone. Like, hey, 
I played Hearthstone as well, got very back into Hearthstone, and also uh, nice. Magic Magic the Gathering, the arena, which I've not really touched, because I'm like, this is the one for proper proper people. This is for the John Darnielles of the world. <laughs> so, uh, the two games I really want to, to highlight today are Spider-Man, Miles Morales. Cool. Not and- played, because I don't have a playstation well i i've it, there's a a windows port now so i was able to play it on i get that it's also on pc windows but... pc and it is so much fun oh my god i've not played a spider-man game since ultimate spider-man in like what 2007 2008 on the playstation 2 and hey sorry to sound like a grandpa but things have come a long way that it make games like they used to they make good games now and spider-man's miles morales, <laughs> morales um it can get quite repetitive in its in sort of gameplay but the you know the main appeal of it as you can be miles morales as spider-man around new york city is just is they put so that batman combat in a spider-man game pretty Yay. much and the the stealth mechanics of those arkham games are very much in the the miles morales one as well like i'm not all keyed in on the lore of spider-man and miles morales and i think it even touches on those sort of spider-verse movies and um now you can turn invisible and do oh, all no. sorts of uh, super stuff and you get some sort of venom suit and do some symbiote power-up stuff but cool. the main thrust of the thing is you get to be spider-man and solve petty crimes and untangle larger webs of syndicate crime Way, which, which is very good yeah. you'd think he would be untangling webs no being spider-man at all he slings them yeah. and untangles them um yeah very very fun gameplay i was just swinging around and doing all sorts of like combinations almost like mirrors edge free running through buildings and uh, the combat is very satisfying if not very sort of uh derivative of games that have come before it it's not really reinventing the wheel more sort of showcasing the wheel in a very 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 fashionable way um the storyline itself is fine it's um it's it's just sort of uh, if you've seen the Spider-Verse movies, it feels like you're kind of just yes. retreading old ground in a not as exciting and dynamic and kinetic way, but I understand that you can't really replicate the magic of a 100-minute hundred, mm. hundred movie inside a game that you can play for days on end. speak controversially mm-hmm. um, here and annoy the gamers out there. You know, I'm one of you people, but... I'm gamer, you. gamer award. you're an interesting insight here because mm-hmm. most people that comment on video game storytelling are so deep in the weeds of video game storytelling. Yeah. They judge yeah, yeah, yeah. it according to video games. You coming in here used mm-hmm. to cinema <laughs> and well, used that's to the books. Thing. You see this video game story and you go, yeah, it's okay. Because to be honest, it probably is okay. But it's, it's, for the it's video good. game crowd, it's... I've heard so much about like how good it is. I'm like, I'm sure compared to many of its contemporaries, it's <laughs> well, very, that's very the good. Thing. I am I'm, I'm not a sort of typical target audience member for a lot of these things. I am so late to the gaming scene. I'm playing so much catch up and a lot of it I'm just like, I'll go with a, a, a big release from a couple of years ago and I yeah. does it stand on its own merits for me? I didn't play the first Spider Man game. I, I have not played many games at all. <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man 2 on the PlayStation 2 with the pizza theme. That's the good stuff. I liked the, uh, Marvel, the PS1 game. What was that? Was Marvel Ultimate Alliance? That was That's the good stuff. Yeah, that, that, oh, that was great. That's yeah, the yeah. sort of game, <laughs> my gaming history here. But no, Miles Morales, I'm, I'm still playing it. I don't know how deep into it I am. I think my save files are like 40%. I think it's not very long. Well, but there's so many side things you can do as well, and there's all sorts of little training things and little side missions you can get entangled in. But a lot of it, I just like webbing around and beating up little criminals. 
Wales and webbing web them up. And I'm I'm enjoying Mark my Webb. time. Uh, yeah, Andrew Webb, Andrew Lloyd Webber. You can call me Phantom of the Gamer. Mark Webb was the guy that directed those Spider-Man. The the Amazing Spider-Man. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Directed for name only. <laughs> but yeah, Spider-Man. It's good. It's fun. Cool. You get to be Spider-Man, and that's every little person's dream. <laughs> And the second game is much, much more recent. I downloaded this like two days ago and have spent mm, like seven hours total so Ooh. far, just on an evening. And that is, of course, Star Trek Online. And I know what you're thinking, Jack. <laughs> this is possibly the nerdiest thing you'll ever talk about, and I agree. But I hear I'll good have, things about this. I'll have you. It's genuinely really, really quite good. I I do have problems with it. I don't think it really reflects what I sort of enjoy about Star Trek as a whole, but. Um, getting to commandeer a vehicle called the USS Hedora that I got to name and colour in myself and fly around a, a, it. That's cool. a vast space. Um, the game is massive, uh, as you can tell, because space itself is quite big. It's an MMORPG for you. There is, it is. And a lot of it, um, I didn't expect to do so much like FPS sort of running and gunning <laughs> in uh, oh. Star Trek Online. I was expecting much more like tactical diplomatic missions but the first like six hours or so i've played is basically like beam to a planet help the people in need find the people who have taken over the planet and shoot them dead and i'm like is this really what star trek has taught us i'm not sure that it is but it's very very customizable and there's so many different ways you can take it in terms of which sort of campaign you play which era you play in i went for the original series as a as a nice sort of you know a little first step into this wide pool and then like three missions later i've become like a time traveling temporal agent sort of like tenet style i've been plucked from my own time and i'm now fighting f- mirror of universe futures it's it's cool. very strange and I'm, I'm not even close to being deep in the webs here but i am deep in the webs i've got spider-man on the brain deep in the weeds yeah, of, of it's not a web-based i downloaded it it's probably a web-based client i don't really know what i'm talking about but <laughs> Star- it's MMO, i'm sure it's on the web <laughs> it's on the mark web um and it's 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 very very fun i've lost myself i've lost several evenings so far in the two days that i've had this game floating around space and it, the space combat i'd say is probably the the most um appealing side of star trek online that i've seen so far in terms of using your own vehicle that you've specially made and upgraded and you've got all sorts of sensors and shields and weapons and you can float around fighting uh, the romulans and the klingons and the dominion for all you big star trek heads out there i'm not even scratching the surface of what this game is but i'm here to report that i'm having fun playing a video game on my new pc steven you've probably played like a thousand video games since we last talked what what have you played what have you been playing oh i've played some stuff um so the first thing i'm gonna say um i officially retired from lies of p i just i, I got up to a got quite deep into it, so I played more than I thought I would. And I got to a boss that kicked my ass a few times, and I was like, to beat this boss, I'm going to have to actually dedicate to learning and playing this game properly, and mm. I just don't want to. <laughs> so <laughs> I just uninstalled it. Um, so I got to the, the King of Puppets, and I was just like, I just, I just don't, master, I don't like it Master of Puppets much. himself, James Hetfield. Pulling, pulling my strings, and yeah, I, just, I don't get it. I, I think maybe I'm guilty of playing it too much like a Souls game when it is somewhat divergent, but it just mm. doesn't do what I want of 
learning spaces and it doesn't feel like I want it to feel and that's maybe more on me than it is on it um, but I, it's just I, I didn't think it was very good um, the new Forza um, now for a while Forza's have been doing the Horizon games which I got steadily more and more bored of this like open right. world just go do an event go drive anywhere and I feel like just like nothing really matters and that's not what I want in a racing game I, I in arcade racing yeah I, I, but this was a weird blend like I love Burnout Paradise because it's just this sandbox of just drive your car anywhere but it has just you're doing crazy wild stuff um, and also Burnout Paradise was about le- learning the map you have to mm-hmm. learn the map and do things it's such a well built world whereas Forza Horizon just feels without impact for me eventually and I was really excited for another proper track-based racing game of learn the corners do it right this yeah. is a sim and i just find that really satisfying i think some of the ways it's structured and not are not great um but it is really good at setting up interesting races it's got you level up your cars separately from your main currency which is probably good in terms of you're not wasting your money on one car but then by the time you get through a race a series of races you've got the car where you want it to be, and then it's the next race, a different car. So that kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a crunchy, I'm going to do this corner by corner, straight by straight, shave a few seconds, it really, really got a lot out of that because I'm, I'm secretly a car guy in a way that I don't talk about much. I had um, no idea but, about it. This is all yeah, just completely just, baffling to me just because I would never have put you down as a Mr. Racing Car Game. But here we are, Mr. Gran Turismo. Just, abs- just, just, just love it. Absolutely love it. Um, Played a little bit of Persona 5 Tactica, mm-hmm. uh, another Persona 5 game. This is a Persona 5 XCOM. Didn't play as much as I thought I would. Um, it's good, and it's got some cool twists to make it Persona-y, but then it's persona in ways that kind of drag it down a bit, of it's just long-extended visual novel sequences that kind of get mm. in the way of it being the combat stuff. And I, I feel like I love Persona 5. I'm, I'm done with it now. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Cool. You've had your time. Back You've had your time with it. Um, but it's decent. It's got some cool ideas. But sometimes it feels like it torn between two games. Um, Thirsty Suitors, there's a review of that up on the website. Really awesome indie game, which is part visual novel, part turn-based RPG, part skateboarding, part dating Ooh, sim, oh. part cooking thing. What? It's all about intersecting identities, be it um, second-generation immigrant identity, be it queer identity be it intersecting racial identities. It's, and it mixes well together really, really cleverly. It's got some of the best character writing. It's got a wicked sense of humour. It is both very human, very empathetic, and very, very funny. Um, the gameplay is not best in class, but it, it supports the narrative very, very well. And I think it's an awesome game. I absolutely loved it, and I really, really recommend it. Um, Cocoon is a puzzle game from one of the guys that done did Limbo and Inside, which are great Ooh. puzzle games. And it's just this cool alien thing where the gimmick is you have these orbs which you can get inside of that hide other dimensions and you're second dimensions inside of dimensions to solve a puzzle in one dimension then go to the other dimension and then you're like inside of the layers and layers and layers it is portal-esque in the way that it teaches you purely through mechanics it is wordless you just and just the way that you learn you start to speak the language of cocoon and it's so damn cool and so well done Jassant is a climbing game that is okay. Um, Jassant. wrote about that on the website. Jassant. Um GTA Vice City, you can now play on your phone if you have okay. Netflix. Oh, oh, of course, Netflix games, a thing I always forget exists. And San Andreas. But seeing as um, Six has got that trailer, I thought, you know what, I'll, you mm-hmm. know, I'll play Vice City. 
It doesn't control as you'd like on your phone. On your phone, and no. And I played I one yeah. mission. Remembered that there are no checkpoints in missions, and I deleted it. <laughs> I was like, who's you know got what? the time? No. <laughs> I played a mission and went to a gun shop, bought the gun, went outside. Yeah. I was trying to work out the controls for shooting. Shot around a pedestrian. The police came and that's, that's nice mission over and then it started me from like 20 minutes back and i was like no, well, i'm good actually I do not have the time give me save states or give me death yeah um the exit eight is a like oh, four quid yes. game on steam yeah i read your thing on this this sounds really cool really cool it, it is yeah just download it play it it's awesome it's a little bit um pt but not 100 pt it's a really cool thing of just cheap interesting game february mm-hmm. corridor Mario Wonder is one of the best Mario games, which is unbelievably high praise, but it's absolutely spectacular. Um, endlessly creative. It reminds me that I do love 2D platformers. When they're done. More than you 3D, know, when, they're, really. when they're creative um, and fun and nice. Oh. And it, it's built around... It can get it gets challenging towards the end, but not like mega challenging. There's some post-game challenges that are very hard, but it, it finds fun in being... It's It finds the fun not in challenge, but in that was fun to pull off. That was creative. That was mm-hmm. imaginative. Like, I've not satisfying. seen anything like that. That was just a joy to move through this space. And I feel like games aren't often built in that way. They're like, this was fun because it was hard, especially in a platformer sense. Mm-hmm. Turnip Boy is not very good. Review on the site. Power World. Oh, yeah. I'm, po- joining, I'm joining the Power World discourse. Pokemon I think it guns. sucks. <laughs> I, I so I was very intrigued by this game just on what I'd heard and watched like one video and was like this doesn't look how no I don't I don't think I would like this at all. The thing with Power World is I wish it was Pokemon with guns because yeah. that would be kind of like cool, but it's a tree punching survival game and I just they're just not for me and it's 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 a kind of janky not so great one of those. Crafty. The world just feels just there. Um, the creatures are just on it. It's about indentured servitude basically mm. one of the farms is called a plantation it's probably not a good <laughs> translation thing but it yeah. the optics ain't great um it's it's just progress porn of just get this thing get the next thing get the next thing get the next thing it's just i i tear myself from that for mm-hmm. i don't want it i saw that the developer's last game or a game from a couple of years ago was pretty much like their breath of the wild clone so they this seem is to have still a re- kind of that. Yeah, uh, that's the scene. The, the gameplay I saw was very much like we've taken our influences and melded them together, and it doesn't really yeah. work as a as a thing. I don't know. It doesn't doesn't really look very appealing to me, other than being an open pl- open world Pokemon game that's yeah. better than some of the other open world yeah. Pokemon. I played games, for Mortal Kombat but... 11 though. How's that? I bet that's fun. It's great. It's awesome. I love MK9, um, mm-hmm. and I liked MKX. MK11, I just missed when it came out, and I want to play MK1. I'm, I'm, you know, getting myself MK1 for my birthday. Oh yeah, MK1 is the week. new one and not the yeah. first one because numbers no, don't so mean stupid. anything to anyone apparently. But yeah, sure. So with MK9, but actually with Mortal Kombat versus DC, which was actually a kind of cool game, That's they fun. kind of like set out this single player approach, which is best in class single player campaigns in these fighting games, um, where it's it's quite rudimentary of just in in depth cutscenes and then you fight for a bit but the storytelling is, is is fun and the fights are fun and they're just good at it mk11 is their best original story i think it's a really interesting fun blockbuster time travel story um i think the formula's getting a bit stayed because it's quite static and inflexible um and i wish they'd do a bit more of it 
the DLC is fun for the epilogue, but I mostly played it so I could play the new one. It's really good. <laughs> MK11 is, is, is great. I recommend it. Love to hit, love to punch and hit and kick and, and then flip. I completed Sea of Stars, which you may remember me being like, eh, I'm not sure about this. After three hours, after about twenty-five hours, it's really good. Okay, cool. Because really, I think it was on the on the uh, Switch sale recently, and I ummed and ahed over it for a while. But then I was like, no, I've got this brand new fancy computer that I should play instead. How is it then? How is Sea of Stars? Did you find the stars? I think the writing is bad. I think the story is terrible. Um, Gameplay. I think the gameplay is is absolutely awesome. It's a really cohesive battle system, kind of like a bit personary in the fact that like things all blend into each other you, you know like you're doing a, like an rpg terms rpg you're often not wanting to do your big things because they use up a resource you're like yes oh, I shouldn't I, do that yeah big i remember spell. you telling me that and it, this game being like no you should probably use these things yeah it's yeah, just which is really if good. you attack you get mana back and it, you burn it in the match. So it's, it's just got these interlinking systems. And then eventually you'll build up a combo meter to do combo attacks, an ultimate meter to do basically a summon attack. And you can like delay turns and block turns. It, it, it's a really cool combat system. I don't think they do enough with it. Because mm-hmm. if it's got more promise than is there, but it's never not fun. I like traversing around. I played for a lot of it. It got to I wanted it to be over to have finished it, but I never didn't mm. enjoy playing it. It's a, it's a really cool, cool game. I'm going to write a bit more in depth about it. Um, for the the diary that will be up by the time you listen to this. So there Sounds you go. Very um, good. Sea of Stars. But spoiler, I played the first hour of Alan Wake Two. Oh yes, that's the the hot new release or hot ish new ish release. I don't know. Fucking amazing. I'll talk about it more next time. Okay. Cool. 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 I. But wow. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a teaser for the next office hours next month. But Alan, mm. Alan, wait. Alan woke up, and now Stephen's yeah. at his house, and the I don't know what these games are about. I don't know what it's, Alan Wake is about. You would, you would, you would like it. it sure. It's 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 Twin Peaks. Okay, I like Twin Peaks. I, I'm sold. It's Stephen Alan King's wait, Twin Peaks. Alan Wake Two, best game of the year. I'm going to say it now. It's yeah. It's 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 really good. It's really good. Sounds very good. Anything else to talk about today on this Fine Stacks episode, Stephen? That'll do me. That'll do me. That'll do me as well. We'll start, well, you know, we'll, do you we'll, it's the first, you know, it's the first day back in the office. We don't want to tire everybody out. You know, we've been working mm-hmm. from home so relentlessly and the <laughs> first day back in the office, you know, we'll take it easy. Have a piece of yeah. pizza and don't talk about the union and we'll be fine. Um, so as always you can find us everywhere on the internet pretty much we're on x blue sky uh discord i shall share a link to our official stacks discord you should join and talk to the game which there is ironically harmony not discord beautiful beautiful cells pitch there um, the YouTube channel, we'll try to do some more stuff on the YouTube channel this year as well, but the stacks.co.uk is going to be your sort of home for all yes. things writing, stacks, and hopefully some more sort of podcast and video embedments in the future yeah. as well. If you want embedment, embe- embeddingments, em- embed- that was, embeds. So the joke I just did there, Jack, because mm. you'll have totally got it, is there was a character from the 20. 20- oh, God. 10 video game dragon age origins <sighs> called sandal who handled enchantments what do you do and he only said the word enchantment he goes enchantment and that, that's all he does right yep got that one 
laughed, laughed a lot. I think I've heard of Dragon Age Origins, so that's that's close enough. One of the best. Um, you can send us emails at the stacks on film at gmail dot com. Right Tell in... me your favorite lines from Dragon Age Origins. It's in the top five, and it's not numbers it's not four through. Oh, don't talk to me about games I don't know anything about. That's what that's what the podcast is for. It's I'm about trying the to Grey Wardens. I'm trying to send off the podcast. You're talking about more games I don't know. Um. Mm stacks on film at gmail.com you can Alistair, email huh? us anything you can email us your alan wake two Morgan. takes and i'll read them tell us your favorite Wait, dragon age origins um characters and lines of Tear dialogue the characters uh yep yeah, ranking the characters our uh, dragon age origins podcast on the series by mistake patreon.com forward slash the stacks on film will be relaunched as of now and you can help support us the stack awards Hover. 2024 oh, are coming they're coming and we're going to be watching movies as always because we're always watching movies steven what else do we plug on the on the on the end of the episode because i've forgotten it's been so long i'm gonna plug um the podcast the throw is it throwdown or the throw i always forget uh, with, with throw, oh yeah throwdown an action cinema podcast i started with vaughn because steven went away for six months um, <laughs> if you're a fan of action cinema and us talking about strange action movies for 30 minutes a piece you can find that i'll leave a link to the description here's my weird recommendation i'm not a huge i mean i don't dislike action film but i'm not mm-hmm. a huge action film sure, fan that's and fine. it's still it's still good so even if you're like oh, oh i'm not an action head go. it good film chat interesting insight into a world that you may not love and the enthusiasm is wonderful good i like that too um and i released an album in like what october i don't think i've yeah. plugged i don't think i've plugged it because i haven't done a podcast with Gone steven um the vault it's a series of compositions for movies that don't exist it took me ages to get it really online perfect. because spotify were like hey stop putting albert pyun's name in your tracks people are gonna <laughs> stop <laughs> doing fake plagiarism i was like oh, come on no one is no one's sad that i made that's oh, fine okay maybe i put miyazaki's name maybe people are in- okay yeah i did put some other big name directors like david lynch but yeah, hey it's the, it's the real pure heads it's a fun project it's my favorite hellraiser movie (laughs) it's some kind words uh about it it's a fun one it's on spotify now it's on Bandcamp. it's wherever music is found it's like 12 tracks i think i should know i made the thing but yeah that's 10 seconds (laughs) he made 11 of them but he won't tell you which one he didn't make exactly one of them was ghost written by uh, a shredder our guy all right ghost written by samuel fuller um, whom we may be covering soon. We are covering soon. Yes. We announced that already. This Grab the... your white dog. Pick up something from South, <laughs> South Street. Street and forty guns your way over to the stacks.co.uk. <laughs> Come hell and high water. Uh, I've seen two of his movies and I've referenced both of them. So, as always, thank you for listening and tune into the next episode. And Stephen, it's good to talk to you again. It's nice to be back in Stacks Land, mm. recording podcasts on the regular. And as always as always don't don't let let the shivers beast beast get you you. we'll see you on the next episode don't let the shiver beast get you same stack time same stack shall good night god bless and don't let the shivers beast get you